0: morning this is gaming perspectives with angeline and today we're going to talk about even good games have problems and what you can
1: learn from them i've run hundreds of games hundreds of sessions both home games and con games and i've had some really good games and i have been really happy with more or less all of my games that i've run but even in my good games there were some things that happened that i wasn't happy with or later on i thought about i go well that that could have that could have ended badly if if a certain situation hadn't been resolved. You know, I'm gonna give you a couple examples. You know, one of my most recent examples I would say would be that my Tales of the Loop game. Now everybody had a good time. Everybody was really, you know, uh, involved in the game. They were immersed in playing. Tales of the Loop is basically a mystery game. 1980s kids. You know, if you haven't uh, heard of it, uh, look it up. It's super fun, super easy to play. But in the game. There were the kids are investigating these strange deaths, uh, people dying. One of the death scenes was these kids, these two teenagers drowning in, in Monterey Bay is where I, I set my tails of the loop game. And one of the players actually, after the, almost the scene was over and I don't remember exactly how he said it or what he said, but he, I looked at him and I go, what he goes, Oh, well, it's kind of weird. He goes, what I go, what he goes when I was a kid and he was in his forties or fifties, even when I was a kid. A couple of my friends drowned at Monterey Bay. And I was like I what I was shocked and I was I don't, and, and later on, uh, after the game I was introspective about that situation. I don't run games to upset people. That's not what my point of any of my games are. My games are to have fun. You know we recently uh talked uh been reading about and probably should deserve its own its own episode but you know Monty Cook just came out with a book, has a free PDF about consent but in this case, you know, I had never thought about it about using any kind of those tools like the X card, and in this case, you know now that I think about it, I'll probably use an X card from now on because you never know what, what might upset people. And so in that situation, it went up it went pretty well because you know he he said it didn't bother him too much or didn't you know not you know, kind of like you know, not really, but I was like still kind of like well, that's kind of sucked. And two, it was at the very end of the scene. So I didn't have to forcibly end the scene there or anything like that. I, I did, you know, it, I did, but it was only because it was already at the end. But if it had been at the beginning and he, I had an X card and he would have touched it, boom, boom we would have left that scene and, and gone on. That was a bad experience within a good game because after all, after all, everybody was like, yeah, it was really good. You know, everybody was happy, you know. Two or three players were talking to me for thirty minutes after the game, talking about GMing and different tips and stuff like that. So uh, overall it was really good. But it was there was that little hiccup that made me think about it. It was, it was a problem because I It was a problem
0: for you. It was a
1: problem for me and for, problem for that guy, right? You know, he said something and obviously it was something that I don't want to say the word triggered, but it was but it was something that had affected It him. reminded him of a bad right, experience. Right. And <laughs> and that's not why I run game.
0: But as Augustine's teacher, chess master D says, "You're either winning or learning." So you learned from that experience,
1: right? You know, and I, I never, you know, chess master D was this fant- is a fantastic uh, chess teacher here in the, in the Bay Area. He has a, a bunch of uh, classes that he goes to different little, uh, little. He goes to different grammar schools and has teaches chess, and I and I've heard him say that over and over again. And he even had this this little rap that he would say, you know before and after the, the tournaments and when he started and you know because i would sit in on his classes and stuff because my son started playing when he was what four, Six. six. in kindergarten kind of and he always say that we're, we're always uh, winning or learning you know and he didn't like to use the term losing and i'm like you know and i, I thought it was a catchy little phrase and but now that i think about it it is important and i've heard it over in different places that you learn more from your mistakes than you do from being successful
0: and I don't know if that was a mistake, because you never know what people, and that's one of the things you should always consider when you're running a game at a convention, you never know what people are, what their experiences are, right. what they bring to the game. Yes. You don't even know with your friends, most, well, if they're your friends, you usually know what they're bringing. Yes. But when you meet new people at, at conventions, or even at gaming stores, or somebody brings somebody new to the to the gaming table, you don't know what their life experience is. So that's one thing to learn from, that was a learning experience, to yes. know that. But the guy didn't say anything till the end of the
1: scene. Right. If he
0: would have said it at the beginning of the scene, you would have moved on to something else. I'm sure
1: yeah, I would have stopped there and said, Well, you know, that's what happens. Let's keep going on. How big or small, it's still a problem with some something we can learn from. Well, it was a
0: problem for you because it, it made you not nervous, but it made you think about how do you deal with stuff like that at a gaming table where you don't know the people. Right. And the X at a card game. is a good way to do that. Right. Or just be cognizant and if somebody's upset about something, stop and move on to a different scene
1: right that worked pretty well in another game i remember this is this I'm going way back i was running space opera at a local convention and uh you know back then i wasn't really into play testing so i would just come up with a, a game a scenario an adventure and run it at the con and i remember you know we were playing this game uh, the situation happens space opera is obviously a science fiction game and like out of like I think I ran a pretty big table. So there was like eight players and like four players were like, they come up with my plot. I don't remember what it was, but they all were like, Oh, this is the, this is could Could it be this? It was happening. And they basically nailed the plot. And I'm like, Oh, M G my God. They just figured everything. And I thought I was pretty sly back then. And I'm like, Oh no, what am I going to do? Because the game's over. I'm thinking, right. But luckily they all had thought that it was too easy so they go, that's, that's, that can't be the real plot. So they kept going. Right. And so that I'm giving them more evidence and this and that. And then at one point, you know, after a couple hours of playing and uh, they came up with these two plots that they thought it could be because they eliminated mine because mine was silly. Right. So, <laughs> so they came up with these two ideas and I was like flabbergasted. I'm like, man, both of those are like 10 times better than what I was thinking. Right. And they were both plausible with the, all the information and everything that was going on. So we played for another hour, and usually there's a break at a con. You we'll know, break for 10 or 15 minutes. And I go, okay, I call. Well, you know what? We've been at it for a while. Let's take a quick break. Let's get a drink of water. Get out of the, you know, stretch around a little bit. And so they, everybody left. I go, well, I'll stay in the room and look at after the stuff, you know, just in case. You know, not not that anything's ever been stolen at my games or at a con, but you never know. So I'm staying there, and I previously start writing notes, and I, I'm making <laughs> note cards so I can pass out. So I can pass out to the players. Uh, what I basically did was I chose one of the plots that they had come up with. And then I wrote a bunch of notes. And I wrote a bunch of uh, notes, that, notes that I would hand out to players like evidence or, or clues and stuff like that. That pointed to one of their plots.
0: So I don't know if that's a, a learning experience. But that, <laughs> well, that is one of the things that happens to GMs, yes. right? What well,
1: um, that, my problem was is that my plot was too simple. And, and it was too uh, what is it uh, what do you call it? you could see through it the, the the situation too easily and my you know my six hour game would have been a half an hour because they figured everything out <laughs> right and but they, but luckily like I said luckily they threw it out because it was too simple and I'm like man really that's simple. when you
0: look at it, look at it when the GM has that weird look on his face right you're like, oh no there's something wrong you don't really know what it is and he's in his I'm brain sweating, he's screaming yeah. going oh my god they already ran through my whole scenario what am i gonna do
1: so the problem there was you know i didn't really prepare well or my i didn't really look at my plot very well but the thing is is that i was able to save the game and it was funny because like that actually became one of the best games i've ever ran or not the best friend of games I ran but the most fun I've ever had running the game because afterwards you know when I'm giving them clues that supporting one of their ideas they're like this has to be it then so they just went at it it was like you know oceans 11 right they were just really working well together everything was you know coming out and at the end it was a raucous end right they were just like super happy and they were like clapping and yelling and high-fiving each other because they they had like killed the bad guy and and done it really you know neat and sneaky and and I was like, Wow, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. It was fun.
0: So for, for a GM if if you do run out of your out of your material <laughs> or your scenario's not going the way you thought it right. would, because the players are never gonna do what you think they're gonna do. Correct. Right. Maybe they figure out your plot right away like that. You have to have ideas to learn from that, right? And make it a better game. Coming up with stuff on the fly is not always easy. No. But it, his players gave him an idea yes, so, they gave that- it too,
1: so i had my choice definitely you can learn stuff from from a bad or a, a good game both of those games went really well you know and i learned a lot from a couple problems that i had in the game in in my either my construction of my blot or in a scene that i had had developed and put in my game and i think that's really neat and so the words of you know Chessmaster d there are winners and and learners you know if you choose to learn then, you know, you really don't have problems in your game. You basically are able to take something like that and or whatever situation is a problem and learn from it. And it's really neat. I think it's really, you know, people say you learn more from your mistakes than you do from uh, from being successful or something like that. Possibly. <laughs> Probably a coach. a coach. A life coach, yes, yes.
0: So there's differences between con games and home campaigns. Right. When you have people coming over to your house every other week, there's going to be different different problems that you run
1: into <laughs> even though the campaign is good right yes yes
0: there's going to be bad days where you're not on the players are not into it yes. Things like that yes
1: and so you know things like that you can learn from i think uh home game is a little bit different because uh there's more flexibility you know like when you you know i've said it before you could say hey you know uh somebody's not feeling well let's just
0: Having people throw up at your table, <laughs> probably, you know, that probably ends the game or everybody, we're going to let him go home today. Yeah,
1: let's go home or we'll you stop know, now. Or somebody's like, you know, they're, they're like, they get there really late and then they're like, well, do I really want to start, uh, you know, something that's going to take a couple of hours and then we're going to run late. So, I mean, you know, maybe we'll stop and play a board game. Realizing that things like that happen, part of uh, getting together and playing a role playing game. To me, learning from your mistakes is pretty cool. I think there's many situations in the past where I've been a player where the GM is like thymied or, or obviously like we're not doing what the GM wants us to do. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe, you know, learn from your mistakes.
0: Well, <laughs> not necessarily for the GM, but also for players, right? I mean, you got to learn yeah. as, you're, as you're going.
1: You know, the thing is, is that as a player too, when you're, when you're in a game and it's not going quite well, you can make it easier than the gm you know and instead of doing something he doesn't want you to do go ahead and acquiesce okay if it's a railroad game or something like that something you don't like go ahead and and go along it might be fun right you might come in a situation that you hadn't thought of and that's what you know role-playing games are you know when you run across something that's unexpected that's when the game is most fun to me and as a gm the same thing that's why i think that's why that plot line that i followed for the players was really interesting to me because i had not foreseen that right so i was playing along with them because i was discovering what was going to happen with them
0: so what do you do if all the players at your table look bored
1: whoa (laughs) pack up my stuff and leave
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's the solution solution. i would say that maybe switch it up that's when you should bring in the ninjas bring in the ninjas yes spirit of the century yes
1: it was spirit of the century and it was like eye-opening to me back then, and it still is. When Joe and Bob are like uh, falling asleep or, or, you know, start playing, uh, uh, what is it, uh, words with friends with each <laughs> other on their phones, and you're like, okay. I guess know. my plot isn't working right now. <laughs> oh my game isn't stimulating. You know, you throw in ninjas, right? You throw in something that's going to excite them, throw in this, this combat encounter and make it crazy, make it gonzo, and it perks everybody up. Like jo- you know, Jolene said many times, is that players really perk up when I say you know roll for initiative if we're playing D and D, and it really does perk them up. It does like, it does.
0: It gives you a, and as a player, when Saul says that, adrenaline happens, right? <laughs> it's like it's like the fight or flight syndrome, right? Roll for initiative and you can see it on everybody's face. It's like they all wake up, right? From, you know, you're in a lazy town, you're walking down the street. Roll for initiative. Everybody's and everybody's like aware and looking at stuff.
1: What happened? Did somebody see something and then they they really perk up? And
0: when, when you say bring in the ninjas or the, it's, it really is you should be prepared with a just a, a fluff encounter or a something that is going to just bring people out of whatever their 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 perk slump. Them up. And if it's a home campaign, there are times when you know people are tired they've been yes it, you're playing on a sunday afternoon this is your day that you play everybody's excited about coming but they're tired because they had a friday night and a saturday and they yes. did stuff and, yes. and you get there and and, you know, everybody's like thinking, oh, tomorrow's Monday. I got to go to work. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Sometimes people are having a bad day. <laughs>
1: sometimes they're just, you know. It definitely depends when you play. If we play, we used to play on Sunday, but now we play on Saturday. A couple of the players, well, three of the players, they stay up pretty late on Friday playing. Four of them.
0: Four of the players. Four of
1: them. Wow. They're playing a, a Friday night game, and they stay up to like one o'clock. And then the young guys, they don't go to bed. They'll stay up till like.
0: Because when they get home, they got to play on their computer it's for a three while.
1: Three or four o'clock in the morning. And then my game starts at 11. You know, they haven't had a lot of sleep. Sometimes, you know, they're looking a little bleary eyed. There's that problem, right? The problem of players being uh, a sleepy. You got this, what you consider a great game or a great uh, plot line or a next part of your adventure campaign. And, you know, you. you you need to stimulate them a little bit. So, you know, bringing in the ninjas in this case, starting off with this wang-bang bang combat encounter or something that's going to perk them up really does really does wake them up and get them in the mood for playing. It's happened in the past. You're right. It's a good way of gathering everybody together and go, getting them excited about, about what's going on. So on that's the an
0: idea that all you should always have a, a some kind of encounter prepared that has nothing to do with, with your actual game, right? Right just you know just i call it fluff but it's like <laughs> you know bring in the ninjas you should have something ready yes. as a gm that's one way to be a learner in that experience so everybody's bored at your table you're going well, what am i going to do right yeah
1: uh, the they're, they're, they're the looking adventure. at me and i need to do something in the old days people used to have or in like d they would have these random uh encounter tables mm-hmm. and so so i always thought it was kind of weird because well that was a totally different game back then AD&D. i imagine people r- r- running their game and then going oh and then they would roll dice for this random encounter but then they would have to like have the encounter ready right so we're gonna stop the game look up the monster it seemed kind of weird and so what i also thought was weird that is is if you have a random encounter uh, but you prepared for it how random can it be right <laughs> so it's kind of like the ninja thing is to have a random encounter ready to go. Right. And the random encounter tables were, like, usually specific to what area of the world they're in. Like, if they're in a forest, in a desert, you know, underworld or under dark, whatever you call it, and sea and stuff like that. So basically, we're talking about the same thing. It's having an adventure or having an encounter ready that's going to, like, infuse the characters with, with energy and excitement and wakes them up and brings them out of their funk or their distractions.
0: And that's... Usually for like a home game where yes. you're playing every other week or every week and and everybody's used to it and so they're they're used to being at your house and you know whatever yes, you're doing they're very comfortable so they get comfortable <laughs> and you know but the other thing I was thinking of was
1: I really like the idea that look at any problem you have whether it was something that happened in your game or something that's happening in your game at the moment is that you can really you could turn that thing around, right? If you recognize that there is a problem in your plot, there's a problem in your game, whatever is going on, think about it. You know, I would say if it's if it's happening at the moment, call for a break. You know, people love breaks. You know, that's what I did in my space opera game. I called for a break and I'm like, man, I need to, I really need to think about what's going to happen. It gives you a little breathing time to figure out, you know, sort things out, calm yourself down, and then deal with the situation. Just like Chess Master D said, you know, winning and learning you know you're learning how to overcome this situation of whatever it is whether it's boredom whether it's a bad plot whether it's the characters are going off the left should have gone right according to your uh, to your brain to your brain what you wrote down right to what you wrote down what your cam- what your notes tell you so you'll know, calm down figure things out and and learn and go okay this is this is happening and come up with something good i mean part of role playing is improvisation improvisation yes I think
0: another thing that you can do is make your NPCs kind of over the top. Oh, so, yes. when memorable. Memorable, right? right? Yeah. Cuz that always helps people to to get into the game when there's when they're actually when you're asking them to do role playing with people in the game. Right. If the NPCs are bigger than life or or they seem like and I don't mean they have to be tall and and talk really loud or anything right, like right. that, but you know, they could be a, a sneaky thief or you can bring in somebody that, you know, is going to
1: interest people, right? I was running Pathfinder at the time. It was the camp Rune Lords campaign. And they had this, in the game, they had this goblin that was like a runt to the litter. And he he was the character, the way the characters could find information. If they, you know, if they bribed them and with food or something like that. And so during that whole time, my son was pretty young. I mean, he was like seven or eight probably. And so they were playing and I included him in the game, you know, in a part of that adventure. And at one point, he didn't have a name. I think it was my son asked him, oh, does he have a name? I, off of my head, I just said, dink. Once that happened, it was like, it changed the whole, the whole encounters. He became a non-player character. He became more than he was in the book. He became this character that they wanted to deal with him for a while. And so my son kept feeding him. And then, so he goes, what does he do? He's going to follow you because he keep feeding him. He goes, okay. So he would, he literally, you know, like the, what is it, the, the, the pop, cheese trail, the cheese trail, right. So Dink became, you know, his I wouldn't say pet, but his little mini companion, right. He would he would carry him and stuff like that, and then he would hide in his backpack. Fed him enough that he wouldn't bite off his the back of his ears, right. So, so it was interesting, and and you know, it wasn't a problem by improvisation and being spontaneous and adding little bits to a game can make it memorable or make it different. It does change the game and it makes it more fun and this wasn't a problem but if it, it was it was something that came up out of nowhere mainly because the player was like "Well, this doesn't this guy have a name and I'm, I'm like the problem there would have been if i would have said uh yeah just whatever you want call him chuck it would have changed the game and i don't think they would have attached themselves and the whole party attached themselves to this little goblin and the goblin you know was really uh you know he, he really helped out the party because he told them you know Know how many goblins were and where the traps were and stuff like that. He just told them he didn't like go in there with them. And then when they came out, he's like, oh, you survived. You survived, right? (laughs) Can I have some cheese? Yeah, exactly what happened. I think problems are basically things that happen that are unexpected in in your role-playing game. And when we learn from them, and sometimes, you know, you don't learn from them right away. You know, that the Tales from the Loop game, there was nothing I could do at that point except get away from that situation. But like I said, the scene was already over when he told me it was after everything had happened but now you know i learned from that mistake of saying well you know i don't want to have that situation happen again so i have an x card on a table nobody's ever used it i haven't really run a game since then but it's aliens game But i didn't use it in my aliens game did i i don't think you needed an x card (laughs) in your aliens game because it's an alien game i mean you
0: could have but used it but none of them would have have touched it they were all into the
1: it's the whole game.
0: It was a total metagaming game, right? Because <laughs> he's all he didn't know what was going to happen, and these people just went after each other because they knew that there was a bad guy amongst them. <laughs> so they, they, uh, they brought that with them to the game.
1: <laughs> they had seen Aliens, the movie, and the Alien. The, well, Alien and Aliens, yes. right? And so the Company Man, uh, played by Paul Reiser, that swindling, uh, sniveling guy, he was a bad guy, right? He's the one that that basically ratted everybody out
0: spoiler alert just in case you've never seen the yeah, movies it's, it's been 25
1: years it's also such a spoiler. longer actually 1985 was when aliens came out and alien was way before that obviously they came you know with certain expectations of what the game was going to be about right they're on a spaceship and they're in space obviously <laughs> and they come up, up on a relic so they're immediately looking at each other suspiciously yeah. thinking okay who's the rat you know <laughs> good game it was a good game and uh i don't think i had any problems in that one that i could learn from except i did add another player right a problem of your own making i was running a twilight 2000 game years ago and uh, twilight 2013 game and it was an eight player game wow wow i used to run a player games at like cons i had too many people come to my game and i i hate saying no so i added another player actually the game went really well but I thought some people didn't have a, enough moments in the spotlight. I had like 15 characters for people to choose from. I thought later, man, you know, that person was really quiet the whole game or that person really didn't do much in the game. And so that was a problem. And, I, and I'm like, okay, next time I don't want to do that. And so what I've done is I, redu- I reduced the number of players f- from eight to six. And if I have, a, usually I have an extra player, extra character to give out. That like con games, I, I always use pregens. But in this case, uh... I didn't. I didn't have an extra character. It was, it was six. It was the game actually 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 written for five, the adventure. And then I added a six NPC of my own. And then what happened was these two guys come up and I go, they're both friends. And they're like, oh, is there room? I go, I have one space. He goes, oh, there's two of us and we really don't like to play together. And I'm like, well, unless anybody is bothered, I can make a character really quick. And the table didn't say, you know. And I know that's kind of a not a really good thing to do because... Players will probably just say yes just because they don't want to say no to somebody knowing that they're not going to play. They're going to leave. They all said okay. And so I quickly made a new character, came up with some stuff. and But it actually turned out okay.
0: Well, and they all had their own time in the spotlight. Even the person you made the character for right there. Because I just got to sit and, and watch this game because I didn't have anything else to do at the time. It was hilarious because they each did have their moments in the spotlight, right? right?
1: Yeah. Well, they all had agendas. You hand out agendas at the very beginning of the game. And they're all... This was a pre Which event,
0: totally so. enhanced it, yes, I think. Yes,
1: because it really gave them something to do and, and shoot for, like goals that they had. And some of them were very, like, uh, uh, like obvious. Uh, there was a... He was about 16, the kid. Yeah. He was about 16. He was playing. And he was like... You know, he read those agendas, the, those goals that he had, and he went after them. Like he was like, he was like, like a video game player. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, the other guys are like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, he goes, oh, you never know when it might be useful." Because he was collecting stuff that was valuable because, because he needed money, right? That was his agenda. That was his agenda. He just he was really greedy, not greedy because he had a sick uh, brother at home and or on Earth and needed lots of money and and it, he wasn't making a lot of money. That character wasn't making a lot of money, so he was like scrounging everywhere and he was obviously scrounging right and so people were going okay you know like he had a bunch of stuff in his pants pockets and backpack some agendas were like kind of sneaky or you know more subterfuge was needed (laughs) the agendas i came up with the with that gave the extra player that i added were pretty straightforward but he couldn't like go out and do something because cause he needed to do it sneakily. So it actually turned out pretty good. That's something I usually do. Like I said, like I, years ago, I learned not to add too many players to my game. I got lucky this time, and I added a seventh player, and it went off pretty well.
0: So that's, a, that's one of the things about con games. They're usually for a certain amount of people because you don't have a whole lot of time to get through the whole thing. Right. The more people you have in your game, this- the problem with that is that
1: The longer it's going to take. It's
0: going to take longer, especially if there's combat, because there's another person, and combat always takes a long time. Well,
1: what's what's What's, interesting is... There wasn't
0: a lot of combat in this, other than them fighting each other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was the combat. Well, they did fight a couple aliens, or creatures. I want to say aliens, but creatures. So they saw a couple creatures, but yes, uh, most of the combat was between the player characters. And that's just the way they the all lived
0: through the yeah encounter. So I think they all did. That live. was pretty amazing. That
1: was pretty amazing because they almost came, all of them came pretty close to dying at one point or another. They just got really lucky. In that case, I learned you know I kind of learned to gauge the game and see if if people. If I can handle a third, uh, uh, another player, and in this case, the length of the game wasn't a big deal because it was the last game in that room for the evening. You know, in the last hour and a half, the other table had already gone and left. Right, there was another table in my room. It was a large room, though, and so they hardly, you know, I hardly heard them, and they were running a four-hour game, and after four hours, boom, they were gone, and so I had the whole room, this large room, to our group. For the rest of the night as long as I wanted to play. Uh, I sent in the program that it was going to be a a six-hour game and I was hoping that the game would start at six and would end at midnight and so the one person said oh is this going to really last uh, six hours uh, no yeah six hours because then we'll go to one o'clock and he goes i go well it all depends on how fast you guys all die or whatever but it lasted five and a half hours i was surprised yes
0: <laughs> so you learned from that so <laughs> it's learn. okay to have an extra player in that game yes.
1: yeah as long as you can handle it and but if you can't handle it and you know you can't handle it and you have a very limited time it's probably better then to you say, should
0: learn from that and not have an that. extra
1: character yes Anything else you want to add, honey? I think we do good. This
0: is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline,
1: and you have a good day.